The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey everybody, Rob Stats Guerrero here. Before we get to the episode, we had a little breaking news after we recorded it, so I wanted to throw in a little update here just to acknowledge that Aaron Rodgers, according to Pat McAfee and others, is returning to the Green Bay Packers. He is going to sign a four-year, $200 million deal with a reported $150 plus million guaranteed in the contract. That's going to be $50 million a year for Aaron Rodgers. Supposedly, his cap number still comes down this year. We don't know how that the specifics of that or how that's going to work out. But Rodgers returning to Green Bay, all the drama gets laid to rest. And now the first major quarterback domino of the offseason has fallen. Rodgers is not going anywhere. So what does that mean for Russell Wilson? We don't know. What does that mean for Jimmy Garoppolo? We don't know. But Aaron Rodgers is returning to Green Bay. Maybe Devontae Adams now going to return to Green Bay as well because they seem to kind of be a package deal. So we'll see what happens, but we wanted to acknowledge the Aaron Rodgers news. We actually had an interview with Mike Tannenbaum where we talked about Aaron Rodgers with him. I took that out because it doesn't make sense now, so you'll hear a little transition there. It's a little awkward, but we're doing the best we can here. Podcasts are all melting ice cream, so we are adapting to breaking news. So there you have it, Aaron Rodgers. Back to the Green Bay Packers. We'll have more on this, of course, in the NFL Daily Kickoff tomorrow morning and also on NFL University on our long-form show here on the SB Nation NFL Show. So make sure you follow, subscribe. You don't want to miss any of that. Now, we'll get you to the regular show with myself and Brandon Lee Gout. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Off-Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL Show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Brandon Lee Gout. And what's up, BLG? Stats, uh, I'm here. I'm not suspended. Uh, even though <laughs> there yet. have been, yeah, not yet. There, there have been some accusations of me uh, placing bets on the oddcast and the MVPs and the LP, LVPs and everything, but those are not substantiated in any way. As long as you don't use your use an app and log in with your own name, I think probably you'll be okay. Obviously, we have a lot to get to. Calvin Ridley is going to be a big topic of the show. We're going to talk with Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic in one second. But first, before we get rolling, I want to remind you, we are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Man, this is ironic. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at DraftKings unless you happen to be a player in the National Football League, in which case I would not advise doing any of that because you will get in big, big trouble as we have seen with Calvin Ridley of the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to get into that with Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic. We're also going to do BLG, our top five free agent bargains because Mm. next week is the legal tampering slash new league year. So we're going to get into that. We talked with Mike Tannenbaum. So we're going to have that for you today. It is a full show. Are you ready? Uh, No, I'm not ready. Okay, well, we're doing it anyway because Kevin Knight has been patiently waiting. We are very grateful for your time. Thanks for hopping in, Kevin. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. It was funny because I was watching your show yesterday. Uh, I, I always scroll past it in the morning when I, you know, I'm groggy in bed. So now you get the groggy me, but I'm on the show this time. So, you know, this is probably the earliest podcast hit I've, I've done in a while. So, uh, you know, just forewarning on that. 
Well, it's Monday Football Monday, so it's okay if you scroll past it. Just so people know, I just want people to see, because you probably are not watching this. Kevin is wearing a Falcoholic t-shirt right now. He has a microphone with LED lights built in that are red and black, and he just took a sip out of a giant Atlanta Falcons cup. Like, you are committed, yeah. man. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm very on brand. You know, I have my own show over at the Falcoholic, uh, Falcoholic Live, so, you know, I, I really, you know, invested in the brand aspect of things. I just need, now I just need to get a pint glass with the Falcoholic logo and we'll be complete, but, you know, I'm just going to have to settle for the Falcon stuff right now. Let's get into this whole thing with Calvin Ridley. Just from your perspective, did you have any idea that any of this was coming or were you just thinking like, hey, Calvin Ridley's probably going to be traded and that's going to be the end of his time in Atlanta? Oh, yeah, no idea whatsoever. Um, I've been talking with some national guys I met in Mobile, um, you know, who we a lot of obviously Calvin Ridley being traded was a big topic. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a lot of speculation about who's going to end up winning the sweepstakes for him. And there were all these teams interested and uh, the Patriots to me, always seemed like the top suitor. They were the team that really wanted him. They've wanted him since before the Senior Bowl, from what I was told. So it's it's they didn't know. <laughs> the Browns didn't know. Um, the only thing they knew was that the Falcons weren't going very far in negotiations, I guess, at this point. I don't think the Falcons were forthcoming about why they weren't going that far in negotiations. But it may, in, a, in a lot of ways, it may have wanted other teams like... They, they may have wanted him more because they were like, oh, this like intrigue of like, why aren't they wanting to trade him? Do they know something we don't about how good he is? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a total, total bombshell. Um, just uh, and I feel so bad for one of our contributors, Adnan Igich, who literally wrote an article about five minutes before it uh, the news dropped about like, oh, the Calvin Ridley trademark, it's about to heat up, you know, it, it heated up. It's just not in the way that we were hoping. Very important question for you here, Kevin. Uh, are the Falcons cursed and what can be done <laughs> to break the curse? <laughs> yeah, at this point, you know, it seems like maybe the Falcons just have to fall on the sword for other Georgia sports, which, you know, I didn't agree to because I'm not necessarily a fan of other Georgia sports, but mm. I, I know a lot of people that would be happy about that. But I'm hoping that, you know, the Falcons are just lagging behind by a year with the curse fading. Um or maybe we just have a little bit of a longer term curse. I know there's a lot of New Orleans Saints voodoo involved with the Falcons, so maybe that's why it's it's lingering at this point. From what you know, did Ridley's absence from the team have anything to do with this gambling thing, or was this just something that Ridley did as he was absent from the team? I don't know that it was directly related in any way. I mean, I, I think I think he was probably in a bad place was missing football and was just trying to interact with it in some way. And, it, and we talked about it last night on Falcolic live, you know, it was in some way it's like, it's kind of sweet that he's like betting on the Falcons to win when he's not there. Cause it's like, Oh, I think everyone assumed like, Oh, he's betting on the Falcons to lose. Cause he's not there. No, he bet on the Falcons to win a bunch of games, which in some ways is like, Oh, like, you know, I guess, thank you. But like, you know, that's not a smart decision, first of all, for the obvious reasons. And then also I would probably advise against betting on the Falcons in general. Uh, but um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think he was probably not thinking clearly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that he would have had a chance to do this if he was playing like, oh, I don't have time. You know, he doesn't have time to go place bets on whatever sports book it was. I think it was FanDuel or something. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was just sort of I think he was going through some stuff. And was not necessarily uh, thinking through it all the way. And, you know, now he's got to deal with the consequences. Would you say the punishment is too lenient, uh, too harsh, or fair? I mean, it's kind of in a weird spot where I think the NFL had to do it for competitive reasons. And since he's the first one of this new modern era that you guys were referencing, you know, we're, we're reading off gambling ads to, to top off our shows. There's like three or four in every commercial break, uh, you know, for an NFL game, um, we're, we're peppered with this stuff all the time. So in some ways it's a new era in terms of sports gambling, but it's not a new era for the players. And because he's the first one to get caught doing it, they're going to hammer him for it. Um, so in that way, I think it's probably about right, especially because he bet on the Falcons, which is obviously a big no, no. <laughs> I think if, if he had bet on any other team, I think there's a chance he could have appealed and gotten it reduced, but since it was the Falcons, I don't think it's possible. Um, and then the the only thing I would say is that while I think this punishment is fair, I think 
we need to see the punishments for other things like domestic violence and those sorts of things be raised to this level of severity because at this point it's like having a guy suspended for two or three games for that sort of offense and then a year for $1,500 of gambling on the Falcons is that those two things don't seem to add up in terms of their severity. So, yeah, I, I think that the reason that the NFL did this is there's a couple of reasons. One is they're sending a message to every other player because don't fool yourself. There are many other players that are betting on the NFL. Calvin mm-hmm. Ridley is not the only one. It is a message to all of them to stop doing this, or at the very least get a hell of a lot smarter about it than <laughs> Calvin Ridley was. And number two, you can't have this. You have to stomp this out if you're the NFL because the one thing that kills the cash cow is the perception that the games are not on the level. It doesn't matter if they still are on the level. It's just the public perception because the second the public thinks that this game might not be on the up and up, they are gone and the money stops. And that is something the owners absolutely cannot have my last question for you, Kevin, is what happens with Calvin Ridley now? Like, is he is he just going to sit out and stay on the Falcons? Are they going to try and trade him next year? What is his football future? Yeah, so we did. We know this is almost an unprecedented situation with his contract. So the implications of that are interesting in that uh, because this is the final year of his contract and it's a suspension, the contract will toll into 2023. So it'll just repeat. We also heard from ESPN's Jeremy Fowler last night that the suspension has voided the fifth year option guarantees as well. So he's now on the Falcons in 2023 at that same 11.1 million cap hit, but it's not guaranteed. So I don't think he plays another snap for the Falcons as as sad as that is for Falcons fans. I don't think, I mean, we were all expecting him to get traded this year anyway, but this is sort of just a a sad way for it to go. I do expect that they'll try to trade him before they cut him, but um, if they can't, they'll, they'll just cut him because I, I just can't see him sticking around. I sort of feel like the NFL is going to low-key say, like, you can't keep him on your team. He bet on your team. Um, that sort of thing. But, uh, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they worked out some other sort of one-year deal for him next year after cutting him. But, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, I think he probably gets moved for, like, a third or fourth round pick next year. Or he just gets cut. Uh, last one for me, Kevin. What do you think the Falcons do here at receiver moving forward, you know, outside of Calvin Ridley? Yeah, I mean, I think they have to... I, honestly, I don't think this changes their plans that much for this year because, like I said, it was sort of an open secret that Ridley was going to be gone in terms of a trade. And we were hoping, obviously, for premium compensation. They're not going to have that this year. They do still get the salary savings. So, um, you know, I, I would bring back a couple of our of the contributors from last year, like uh, Lamade Zacchaeus um, and Tajay Sharp as sort of some guys to keep around as you know, some familiar faces, some some complimentary guys, but they're going to have to go out and draft someone early. They probably need to go out and sign a veteran as well, um, whether that's bringing back Russell Gage, who showed that he could play in Arthur Smith's offense and got more comfortable on the outside this last year, or an outside guy. Uh, Allen Robinson has a connection to the team with the Falcons bringing in former Bears GM Ryan Pace. They also have former Bears offensive coordinator Dave Ragone. So, uh, I know a lot of Falcons fans are hoping for Allen Robinson. I sort of think he'll be too expensive, but you know, coming off a down year with his in, with his recent injuries, it's possible they could work something out. Um, I would love that signing, but it's probably going to be more like a mid tier free agent and like a their early second round pick uh, for someone like Christian Watson from North Dakota State. Kevin Knight from the Falcoholic, writer, editor from the Falcoholic.com, host of Falcoholic Live, our Atlanta Falcons podcast here at SB Nation. Thank you very much for the time this morning, Kevin. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Kevin's doing our work for us, BLG, because we have our top five list of bargain-free agents. This is part of the SB Nation NFL Show's look at free agency. All this week, we're going to be doing different uh, questions of the day about free agency. So ours is top five free agent bargains. And we had to make a combined list. Usually we have separate lists, but we're going to make a combined list today. We, We had some battles yesterday as we were kind of finalizing things. But one thing we both agreed on, and Kevin mentioned it, Allen Robinson is going to be just an absolute steal for somebody. He's uh, Kevin mentioned he's coming off a bit of a down year, but I think we both see the potential and how what you could get with Allen Robinson is a lot better than what he's shown recently. 
Think about all the bad quarterbacks Allen Robinson has had to play with. <laughs> like going back to college, like Christian Hackenberg. Like Christian Hackenberg was ultimately like what a second round pick or whatever. Probably yep. in part because of Allen Robinson, and he had a good freshman season all that time ago. And Blake Bortles and Mitchell Trubisky and well now Justin Fields in there too. Like he's and I, honestly, that's why I think Allen Robinson is going to be. Uh, undervalued is because he's coming off of this career worst season and look he's going to be entering his age 29 season he's had some injury issues I don't think it's unfair to say there are some concerns uh, that he could be on the decline Um, that's not out of the realm of possibility but you know when you're talking about bargains you kind of need to come up with reasons uh, for what you need to come up with warts basically and reasons why the price isn't going to be sky high And I think Robinson has just such a strong track record of production. Again, with bad quarterbacks, I'm sure like, you know, this might be a nice opportunity for him to hopefully go and get paired with one who's actually at least kind of decent because that would be a huge upgrade for him. Justin Fields might be the most overrated player in the NFL. And I think he (laughs) is totally saddled uh, or he's brought down Allen Robinson's value. Um, So I think teams need to kind of consider that when they're evaluating him. Absolutely. Look, he's 28 years old. Like it's possible we haven't even seen the best of Allen Robinson and he led the league in touchdown catches with Blake freaking Bortles as his quarterback. Like there's untapped potential there. And if I were Allen Robinson, I would not be as concerned with getting top dollar in a free agent contract. In fact, if I were him, or maybe if I was a team, if you offer an incentive late in contract like hey if you hit 1200 1300 1400 yards and you just have escalators in there like he's got to pick the right quarterback and i think everything else will fall into place for him and i'm i'm just trying to think of like a home for him and where he could wind up like i think arizona potentially could be a nice little spot for him i think selfishly i'd love to see him on san francisco but we already have enough wide receivers i think philly would be a nice spot for him like if as an eagles fan do you want alan robinson um there's a connection there uh dave caldwell the former jaguars gm is it do you say jaguars or, or jaguars by the way jaguars jaguars i think i say jaguars um i know that's not necessarily right but i think i'm just gonna say it and continue to say it uh <laughs> anyway uh so yes there's a connection to the eagles with Dave Caldwell, the former Jags GM, uh, selecting him with the number 61 overall pick back, I believe, in 2014. Uh, so there's a, you know, you can tie the connection there. Um, I almost think about his situation, uh, Alan Robinson, as similar, maybe a little bit to Alshon Jeffrey, who also played for the Bears once upon a time and then came to the Eagles, uh, in that I think the best thing for Alan Robinson would be to take a one-year deal, kind of like you're talking about here. Don't sign a multi-year deal because you're coming off this down year. He needs to rehab his value, and I think he can do that if he's paired with a good quarterback. I don't think the Eagles make sense from a standpoint of these are the most – uh, run heavy team in the NFL. They the lowest passing percentage. And I don't think he's going to get the kind of volume and opportunities. Like Devontae Smith's already got not getting enough volumes. I don't know how Allen Robinson's going to come in and be happy with the numbers he's getting. So I think he has to find a spot where the volume is going to be high. Again, he, it's not like he needs to be paired with Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, or like, you know, whatever, like one of these top, top quarterbacks. That's not, he doesn't need to do that. He just needs to go, like, even if he gets paired with, say, you know, just for example, like Derek Carr. Like, that would be such a big boost for him, given what he's right. had to work with previously. And I think that could really boost his numbers. And then uh, he could really attack the, the free agent market even harder next year. I think he's going to be a nice signing for whoever gets him. If Kansas City could ever find a way to sneak him in there, like, oh, man, I can imagine the numbers that he would put up. But, okay, Allen Robinson is number one on our combined top free agent bargains list. The other guy that we both agreed on, this was easy, is safety Justin Reed. And, you know, like, we we don't come up with a lot of combined lists, so it was interesting to see how that process came together. But we both had Justin Reed on the list. Uh, I just think that he is somebody, you know, safety's like, if you don't make a ton of interceptions or, like, have a ton of sacks like Jamal Adams, people kind of, like, just lump you into this group. You don't really stand out to people. He's a really good coverage safety. He had a bit of a down year last year, I do admit, but I still, which which is going to drive his price down. That's part of what makes him a bargain. But I still think he's going to produce at a at an extremely high level for somebody next year. Back when the Eagles were in the market for Darius Slay and acquired him, uh, part of the thinking there was like, hey, he'll be better when he gets in like a real environment. And he's not 
with Matt Patricia on a terrible Lions team. Like when he's on a more competitive team that will kind of like, you know, raise his game. And I think there's examples of that in sports where a players, I mean, look at Randy Moss. I mean, this is a really maybe specific example, but Randy Moss on the Raiders was certainly a lot different than Randy Moss on the Patriots. And obviously he's an all time player, so it's not apples to apples, but the point being that situation can matter to some extent. And Justin Reed had five interceptions in his first two seasons when the Texans were not the total train wreck they've been really the past two years. Um, he only turned 25 in February stats. Like he's pretty young. Uh, third round pick in 2018. Uh, I just think he could really benefit from getting away from Houston. And even though like we can, you know, we see it a down year the past couple of years or last year, just a 82.9 passer rating when targeted last season. So, you know, for, for a down year, you know, it wasn't even a total train wreck. I think you get him in the right system. Um, he gets back on track. And another thing with this position specifically stats, that's important to note here. A lot of safeties on the market, like a lot of good names too. Um, Marcus Williams, it looks like he's not going to get tagged by the saints. Obviously Jesse Bates did get tagged. Um, but even so there's still like a lot of names out there. And I think that's another thing working in the team, whoever signs him, their favor, uh, because the safety market is so that there is more supply than demand. So I think you can get him at a good rate. That's a good point. I mean, it's simple economics, but it still applies. Uh, so there's Justin Reed is number two on our list. Okay, this was going to be our our first battle was going to be at the tight end spot. Yeah, because you had OJ Howard on your list. I had Mike Jacecki on my list. But as we are recording this news has broken that the Dolphins are placing the franchise tag on Mike. Okay. So he's not going to be a free agent. So you win by default, BLG. Congratulations. Tell me why you had OJ Howard on the list. Well, this also proves my point. You can't be a bargain if you're getting franchise tagged. If you're well, that caliber I didn't know player, they're gonna tag him. Yeah, but like he's that kind of caliber player. It's not. Uh, I wouldn't say it. Maybe was expected um, because I would also say uh, David Njoku getting tagged by the Browns wasn't necessarily yeah. expected. A lot of people are like, "What are the Browns doing?" <laughs> I guess part of the thing here is the tag is pretty reasonable for tight ends, so it's almost like maybe why not? It's not like an insane number. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, a big reason why I picked OJ Howard is that like OJ Howard was a really good prospect that people were excited about uh, entering the draft. And I don't think he's been bad because, or like a lack of production because he's not a good player. He just so happened to have like the best tight end in NFL history on his team coming into the fray with Gronk. And obviously that being a special connection with the quarterback and obviously Cameron Brait has been there as well. So you look back at his first two years in the NFL stats, he averaged 16.6 yards per reception, which is a really, really good mark for a tight end, especially a young one. And he had 11 combined touchdowns, which you love in his first two years. Why so, do you always throw that in? Yeah, love I touchdowns. like touchdowns. What? That's not a knock. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just pointing it out. Okay. Sounds like you're trying to make it a knock. Well, I mean, apparently you wanted to pick uh, another guy over OJ Howard who scores touchdowns, or at least was doing that before. So I think he's going to be an undervalued kind of guy. My question is this, if OJ Howard's first two years were so good and they, they were good, like you, I can't really dispute that. What happened in 2019 and 2020? Well, I said it. They brought in other people. They had other people here. Sometimes, exactly. Why? Yeah. But like, not just bums, like Gronk again, the best tight end ever. And he had a connection with the quarterback. Like that wasn't typical. Yeah. That was his last two years. What happened in 2019? He dropped off the face of the earth. One touchdown. As mm. I would like to point out. <laughs> I mean, look, again, I'm not saying he's a flawless guy. It's, there's a reason he's a bargain. But I think right. if you're betting on upside here, why not this guy? Like, if you're looking for a tight end and maybe you don't have the most cap space in the NFL or you're kind of just trying to to bet on someone you can kind of grow with, I think he fits that profile. He's worth taking the risk on. And I once heard Josh Norris say that he thought tight end was actually one of the hardest positions to make the transition from college to the pros. I mean, OJ Howard was the 19th overall pick in 2017 and he Mm -hmm. hit the ground running from the tight end spot. Uh, So like now he's been in the league for a few years. Like you mentioned, he's had the chance to learn under Gronk. Maybe like you are going to see an explosion from OJ Howard that you haven't necessarily seen because he's, you know, had time now he's a veteran. He's been able to make the transition. He studied under Gronk. So I I see your logic there. The last thing I'll say about this is that uh, the tight end draft class is supposed to be not like amazing at the top. It's not like there's the star talent, but a lot of uh, draft analysts, 
such as even like a Daniel Jeremiah, I believe had said like, you can get like a solid tight end in this draft. There's just like a bunch of solid dudes. And maybe that kind of suppresses the free agent tight end market a little bit because it's just like, Hey, there's a lot of draft options and we're not really going to be rushing to pay uh, the people in free agency. Although this tag stuff is kind of interesting. And I think that kind of helps a player like OJ Howard. Now that um, a couple of the guys at the top of the market won't be out there. So that's another thing to consider. Okay, so you win that one by default because Jacecki was franchise tag. Now let's get mm-hmm. into another battle. Uh, and l- you know what? Let's We'll save the defensive guy for last. Let's stick okay. with offense. You had Rashad Penny on yep. your list. I had Cordero Patterson. W- make your case for Penny, and then I'll make my case for Patterson. First of all, I have a question for you, Stats. All right. How do you feel about Greg Rosenthal? I feel fine about him. He seems like a genuinely nice person. But like, you know, good, talented guy, right? For NFL.com, does some good good stuff for them. Yeah, he used to write for Pro Football Talk. Absolutely. Right. So uh, on his list, which he came out with, uh, I believe, yesterday afternoon, NFL, free agency, players who could be overpriced, underpriced. Guess who appears in his overpriced category? It is one Cordero Patterson. Uh, so already... Greg Rosenthal working against you. Big knock for you. (laughs) Um, My case for Rashad Penny is that I just think that you look at how big of a bust he's been for most of his career. And I think it's hard to totally shake that, which is a reason why you're driving his price down. And I will admit that it's really tough for a running back to be a bargain because you look at running back salaries and they're just not high. But when you have a guy who had 92 rushing attempts for 671 671 yards uh six touchdowns a 7.3 7.3 yards per carry in his last five games last season that's pretty intriguing is it not it absolutely is intriguing i mean like people don't realize it because the seahawks had sort of a lost year he mm. was incredible at the end of the year you're like well, who is this guy putting up all these numbers my thing is one he's just a running back and you can get a sixth round running back who's just as good for a hell of a lot cheaper. So it's really, really hard for me for a running back to crack this list. And you're essentially betting on four games in his career. And you're saying that he's going to produce somewhere near that level going forward when the, the vast, vast majority of his career, he did not play up to that standard. I would like to see him uh, like a team like the Eagles, potentially it depends on the price tag, but like a run heavy offense like that. And you kind of just, and he isn't the only back, obviously. And in a situation like Philly, he's not just the, he can't be the only guy you have because there's too much of an unknown here. But I mean, you have the potential to like add him uh, to a nice running game already. I just think there could be some really good things here with him. And, you know, he's, he's going to be a guy that, uh, you could boost his value and then some dumb team will sign him next year after you've signed <laughs> him to a one-year deal and you'll help you'll you get like uh, some help towards your compensatory pick formula. I had Cordero Patterson on my list ahead of Penny. And my reason was even though he's not gonna be he's probably gonna be more expensive, I admit, than Penny, you're not just paying for a running back. You're paying for a running back a potential third wide receiver and you're getting a pro bowl level kick returner. So like PFF had him projected at two year, two years and 6 million a year to me, 6 million for three different positions is a bargain, especially if you, he goes somewhere where they use him properly. I would love for the 49ers to get their hands on Patterson with the way Kyle Shanahan can move him around. We saw what he did with Debo Samuel. If he's in the right spot with a creative offense, I think six million would be a steal for him. He can make game-breaking plays for you. I don't like. I mean, I don't dislike Cordero Patterson. It's not about me thinking he sucks or anything, but I just don't think he's going to be a bargain, especially from the standpoint. There's such like a narrative around him coming out of last year. He was like the only good thing or exciting thing about the Falcons, and just from a fantasy football perspective too, it's like oh, you got to have Cordero Patterson. It's just I think there's so much kind of buzz around him that I'd almost be surprised if he only got six million a year because like that stuff might sound silly and teams might only value that to a point but his agent's probably going to be bringing that up uh when he's like negotiating with these teams so i think it's absolutely irrelevant data point and 
I don't know. I just think like he's not the profile of a guy that I necessarily feel amazing about. A guy um, who's going to be entering what his age thirty one season, and he's just coming off of this unique way kind of of being heavily used. Like that doesn't scream success to me. I, I think he can be a nice role player for the right cost. But I kind of worry that some team is going to look at what he did last year and try to make him like this and, and pay him like he's this foundational piece when I don't think he should be that. I think you're 100% right to bring up narrative that absolutely matters in stuff like this. It, it shouldn't like you would think that these teams and these agents and everybody is smart enough to kind of look at the data and make decisions. But that is clearly not how it works. These contracts are negotiated by humans. Human beings make stupid decisions. So narrative definitely plays into it. All right. So you make the call then who makes our, our list? Is it is it Patterson or is it Penny? Well, I did say that uh in our our you know little inside uh baseball here inside podcasting really if you will inside football not inside trading that's uh we we already talked about that (laughs) with calvin ridley kind of um i said that no we shouldn't have it be that all three battles are won by the same person because uh that's dumb also kind of dumb is when you make up an award for your own podcast and then just so you can give it basically have it for uh force the producer of the show to give you the award that you created because you couldn't win it on your own show last <laughs> week. Just, you know, talking in broad terms here. I would like to give the Oddcast LVP, uh, which is now a weekly award I'm doing to RJ. So uh, he got that one today. Um, I, I forget what the question was, Stats. What, were you, what did Who you even makes, ask me? You just wanted to get that dig in so bad. Who makes the list, Patterson or Penny? Uh, let's say Penny because I, I'll give you the last one. Um, but I think I just think it's tough. How, how are you going to go against Greg Rosenthal's stats? How could you do that? Well, I mean, Greg Rosenthal's a fine human being, but it doesn't mean he's right about all things. Uh, I mean, some some would say otherwise. I mean, <laughs> maybe, not me, but some would say Greg Rosenthal would probably say. Uh, all right. Let's get to the last spot on our list. You had Charles Harris of the Lions, and I had somebody that I bet you most people listening to the pod don't know. Foluransu Fatukasi from the New York Jets. <laughs> Interior defensive lineman, probably like one of the least heralded positions just in general in football. You make the case for Harris, and then I'll make the case for my guy. So nickname Foley, uh, and he is actually on the aforementioned Greg Rosenthal list on the underpriced. So look at you, Stats. He's on your side this time. Not that I disagree with you, to be clear. I don't I don't think that this guy is going to be overpriced, kind of like I, I think uh, Cordell Patterson might. So I'm not even like disagreeing with you um and i'll give this to you uh my argument for charles harris is that i think he's an interesting player to watch in that you know he was a bust with the dolphins as the as a first round pick in 2017 number 22 overall he had the the dolphins traded him for basically just like a a late round pick he gets picked up by the falcons he has three sacks there like okay whatever he goes to detroit last year 7.5 sacks he had the 19th best pass rush grade among edge rushers in the NFL per pro football focus. Like that's a little intriguing to me. And I don't, I don't know what to make of it fully. Is this just kind of like, you know, sometimes in the NBA, there are players who put up counting stats with bad teams, but it doesn't lead to winning. It doesn't like mean anything. I kind of wonder if there's some of that there. Um, and I, I just think though, when you look at the edge rush market, you don't really get a lot of bargains there. Like you got to pay top dollar for pass rush. And I think with a guy like Charles Harris, because there's so much of him being a bust and not productive, you can kind of get him still at a reasonable rate. You're not going to have to like just pay for his big year last year. So uh, that's why he intrigues me a little bit. If you go to the lions and you ball out, like you get credit for that. How many guys can say, Hey, I went to Detroit and I, I played really, really well. Like not many. So I agree with you. I think if you're bringing him in to be like your stud pass rusher your number one guy you're going to be disappointed and i don't mean that as a knock on him i just i just don't think that's his main role but if he's your number two guy or your number three guy like you're in really good shape you've got a solid unit there so i i didn't hate that pick at all by you but i look at fatukasi and i'm like damn man this guy's on the jets we just talked about narrative like no one is thinking about anybody on the jets right and if you know any defensive lineman on new york it's going to be quinn williams but mm-hmm. he is a staunch defender against the run. He had a little bit of a down year last year, which again, these guys have some worse, we acknowledge. But before that, he had consecutive years with a PFF run ga- uh, grade of 86.2 or better. Like that's really, really good against the run. He had 67 defensive stops over the last three seasons. 
You need a guy like this. Not everybody on your defensive line is going to get you 10 sacks a year. You need somebody to muck up the rush lanes and bog things down. I love Fatukasi. I don't love the idea of like using premium resources at all in a run, you know, a primary run stopping defensive tackle. Cause I feel like that skill set is more of a dime a dozen. But like to this point, he might be really undervalued because he's getting profiled as that. And maybe you pick him up like relatively cheap and he ends up being oh, like a really nice defensive player, not a star, not a, not a pro bowler or anything by any means, nothing crazy, but just like a really nice defensive lineman that you got for a bargain rate. So I could see him, yes, easily being a bargain. Nothing. It's not flashy. That's not what this is, but it's just like a nice, uh, I don't know what the comparison is uh, in I'm thinking like food or trying to think of something here, a nice little reference. Uh, let me know if you think it one stats. Nope. I'm totally just letting okay. you twist yep. in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good co-host. That's what they do. Uh, yeah, so I'm okay with this. I'm okay with having him on our list. Okay, so to recap our top five before we get to Mike Tannenbaum. Allen Robinson, number one. Rashad Penny. OJ Howard, because Mike Jacecki just got franchised. Mm-hmm. Justin Reed, we actually both agreed on. And Folorunsu Fatukasi from the New York Jets. That is our top five free agent bargain list. How many people like know that aren't Jets fans know about fully? Like, Nobody. No, which is great. And that's that kind of goes more to your point. Uh, I will mention one honorable mention that I had here for this list that didn't make the cut. And that is Juju Smith Schuster. I think he has the potential to be underrated from a standpoint of he had to play with freaking Ben Roethlisberger who couldn't throw <laughs> the ball more than 10 yards down the field. He has an 8.6 average over the past two years in terms of yards per reception. And Juju, by the way, I wanted this is why I wanted to bring it up stats. I thought this was pretty interesting. So John Hightower, fifth round or fifth round pick, day three pick by the Eagles in 2020. He came into the NFL a little bit older. He turns 25 this fall. Juju Smith Schuster is younger than him. He's been in the NFL since 2017. Like he's so young. Um, so I think he has the potential to be a bargain as well. You talk about narrative. I think the narrative's working against him. I think people think of him as like kind of a problem in the locker room, kind of a me first guy dancing, doing the TikTok thing. All that is going to work against him to keep his value down. So if you bring him in, yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a little bit cheaper than uh, what you might have normally. I mean, certainly when Antonio Brown was there, we people were thinking that Juju Smith-Schuster was going to be like the next star stud wide receiver. He was like 20 years old, dominating on Sunday night football. There's still plenty left in the tank for him. That's a that's a fine, honorable mention. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to Mike Tannenbaum, former executive for the Jets, former executive for the Dolphins. And by the way, uh, we taped with him before this Calvin Ridley stuff happened. So we're not going to ask him about that, obviously, because I didn't know that that was a thing when I interviewed Mike Tannenbaum. But we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll have Mike. Joining us now, member of the ESPN team, front office insider, former executive with the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins, and the founder of the 33rdteam.com, Mike Tannenbaum. What's up, Mike? Good morning, guys. How you doing? Fresh back from Indy. So much going on. Yes, there is a ton going on. The combine is wrapping up. We are a week away, less than a week, really, from NFL free agency kicking off. I have a ton of things I want to ask you. First thing, though, Mike, somehow... Legal tampering starts next week, yet all these deals are immediately announced the second legal tampering begins. So if you're a GM, put me in that space right now, the week before legal tampering begins, what are you doing? Well, you're really starting stats with your own guys, like what the market's going to be. And we've seen things trickle out. Um, Demarcus Lawrence being asked for a pay cut. Um, So there's a lot of listening that's going on. You're really starting with your own guys and you're trying to keep your own and oftentimes agents are going to be out in the marketplace saying, Hey, I think I'm going to get more than this, or, you know, we'll see some deals getting done, but you know, that's why you hear things, stats like Amari Cooper getting released because I'm sure the Cowboys say, Hey, we can't pay you 20. We can pay you 12. And then he's talking to other teams and he knows there's more than 12 million a year out there for him. All right, Mike, uh, you might not know much about me. I know you know stats, uh, but uh, I am selfish. So I have you here, and I want to ask you about uh, something you talked about on ESPN recently. We have a lot of Eagles fans here that listen to this podcast, and I cover the Eagles for Bleeding Green Nation. And uh, Ryan Clark, 
uh, was going on about how, you know, the Eagles should maybe build around Jalen Hurts and consider that. And there's been a lot of that sentiment in Philly. Um, but I kind of heard you take the opposite side and say, quote, that you can't overpay greatness. And we're very much pro Eagles trading for Russell Wilson or I guess another <laughs> elite quarterback if there's one available. Uh, a lot of the pushback in Philly to that idea has been that the Eagles are quote unquote, like too far away to trade for an elite quarterback. But I want to get your take as a former GM. Is there ever a spot where you're looking at your roster where you think you shouldn't trade for a top quarterback? Well, Brandon, let's just be clear about something. I don't like you. If you're selfish, <laughs> that means you're taking money on my man's stats pocket. So you, know, you and Ra- right. Aaron Rodgers are both selfish. So now yeah. Aaron Rodgers is, is a championship quarterback and he can be selfish. Whether or not you are, we, we the jury <laughs> is still uh, to be determined. <laughs> and, and by the way, just going to Rogers for a second, I was not debating his greatness. I was debating the fact that his lack of decision making is taking money out of his teammates' pockets. So that that. But anyway, story for another day. As it relates to the Eagles, my point is, I think the Eagles have done a relatively good job. And if you can get a championship quarterback, that's going to bring you a lot closer to winning a championship and no one's in a salary cap system guys let's be clear about this you're never going to have the perfect player at each position i mean you can look at the rams roster they had difference making blue chippers at some positions and were average in others so to me it's really more of a full force multiplier in that once you have an aaron Rodgers, a russell wilson and russell wilson's not as good but with russell wilson you do have a chance to win a championship a big question looming over the 2022 offseason, obviously, and that's going to be what happens with Deshaun Watson here. And one thing I've been thinking about for a while about him, and I know there's a lot of uncertainty, obviously, but I also get the sense that like the outsider fans and everyone, and and, and that is viewed maybe similarly to how like the NFL people in the NFL view that. And I just don't think that's necessarily true. And that like teams are obviously maybe more privy to, or at least have their own idea of how that situation might play out. Am I off base there? Like do teams have their own idea how like a Deshaun Watson situation might play out and are they in the dark as maybe the, the public is? Yeah. You know, that's a great question. It's, it's really unprecedented from a standpoint. You, you just don't know. Um, you, and, you know, look, it's, you know, we're dealing with a situation that, you know, there's a number of alleged victims and it's a very serious and sensitive topic from a standpoint, like this needs to play out not only criminally, but civilly. So um, this is not an ordinary situation uh, by NFL standards. And um, it's, you know, again, it's a very serious one. And I think teams are going to have to proceed with caution and try to collect all the facts and, you know, my experience is, especially when you're dealing with something that could be potentially criminal, there you you really have to be in a wait and see mode. Speaking uh, of Deshaun Watson, I saw that the Dolphins basically said we're out. Like the door is closed on Deshaun, is what they said. Do you think that's more they have confidence in Tua, or do you think that's more Stephen Ross is like, look, I got my own problems. I'm accused of tanking. The last thing I can do is bring in Deshaun Watson when he's got a possible criminal case and 22 civil suits against him. Yeah, I saw it stats a little bit different than that, my friend. I, I think what we what I heard there was, you know, oftentimes, and, and this was a Coach Barcells thing, you know, sometimes you're going to use the media to talk to your locker room. And really what I heard there was like, we, we got a new head coach. We really got to see what we have in Tua. Hopefully he's a guy that we can win a lot of games with. We don't know. And, um, you know, let's get through this year and we'll know a lot more. But if we tamp down any and all speculation, then um, we don't have to. Um, it's one less thing we need to deal with. And I think this is about not just candidly Tua guys. I think to me, what I heard was like, we want to put Coach McDaniel in the best position possible and let's get him rolling. Uh, I want to bring it back to the Eagles for a second here, as I often do. And, oh, uh, boy, here we go. <laughs> well, knowing Howie Roseman, as you do, Mike, because I know you do. You've done some deals with him, obviously, in the past. Um, what do you think the Eagles are looking to do at quarterback? Like, what you think they actually are doing, knowing Howie? And uh, if it's not trade for a veteran, such as Russell Wilson, with those three first-round picks, uh, what do you think they do with those picks? I think one thing where Howie deserves a lot of credit is, you know, he has a relentless pursuit of uh, improving his team. So, you know, my gut feeling, and I have not talked to him about this by any stretch, um, is I think they keep looking and they're going to be opportunistic as, you know, things come along, which could be any of the quarterbacks we just talked about or, you know, none of them. So, you know, and it's funny, I'm really glad you brought this up because I think one of the underreported stories from a year ago, guys, 
and this sounds silly at first, but I love the trade of Garden Minshew because over a 17-game season, there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks that get hurt, and you need depth of that position. I'm a big Gardner Minshew fan, and I think to get him was just really smart business by Philadelphia. They usually do make – I think I'm a Howie fan as much as BLG likes to rip on him. I think they make – I like the way they think about things most of the time. Uh, but since you were selfish and you started talking about the Eagles, BLG, I'm going to be selfish and talk about my 49ers. The early story of the combine, Mike, was – all of a sudden, Jimmy Garoppolo decides he's going to have surgery and throws a giant wrench into the quote-unquote plan for the 49ers in terms of trading him and all this stuff. John Lynch said he had no idea that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to have surgery. My thing is, if the 49ers, well, let me ask you, should the 49ers have known this was a possibility knowing sort of the uncertain future with Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, I, I must say that sometimes, you know, players will get second opinions outside the purview of the team. And those opinions sometimes uh, mesh with your doctors and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I think more fundamentally, I wouldn't trade them. Like they have a really good team. I'm hard, pressed, I, I'm hard pressed to think, why would you move on from a quarterback when in the last two to three years, you went to the Super Bowl championship game and we've seen all these consequential quarterback injuries so why not take the most important position on your team and you'll from a position of strength and not weakness? Okay. Hold on. Setting aside the fact that they could save $25 million if they got rid of them and they need to re-sign Bosa and Debo. Mike, you can't tell me that the, they've got as far as they got because of Jimmy Garoppolo. He's along for the ride. Well, we may find out otherwise here. You know, like, I, I don't know if he's an elite quarterback stats, but they've won a lot of games with Jimmy Garoppolo. And to me, and you're talking to a guy that, you know, one of the decisions that I, I regret in my career was we had um, a, a good team. We had gone to the playoffs in Miami. Ryan Tannehill was coming off of an injury. By all accounts, he was supposed to be 100%. And um, he wasn't. We had to go recruit Jay Cutler out of the Fox broadcasting booth for a year. And that season didn't go well. And I think it's a position where you just can't have enough depth. And I, I'm hard-pressed to understand for a team that has a chance to play meaningful playoff games, how they're a better organization with an unproven quarterback and no depth. Uh, like I'm really hard pressed to know why they're better off w without him. I wanted to uh, ask you about the Cowboys here, Mike, because I think they're having an interesting off season. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. It looks like DeMarcus Lawrence could be gone, uh, asked to take a pay cut. Um, Amari Cooper, you know, there's already talk that he's going to be gone. And uh, it's just interesting to me because it kind of looks like, there's, there's thought that Dallas's window could kind of be closing already uh, and that they may have already peaked. Obviously, they had a lot of turnovers last year, and it seems like it's going to be hard to sustain that kind of production year over year and, and really count on that again. So I guess my question for you is, like, what do you make of Dallas and, like, what do they need to do at this point to get over the hump? Let me run a theory by you guys. So I'd be curious to get your thoughts, guys. Like, obviously, there's a big movement in the NFL. Don't pay running backs. Don't pay running backs, right? I don't, I don't think there's – a lot to debate there. I think that's pretty commonly held, like, or pay them appropriately, don't overpay. And I was watching the combine the other night, guys, and I'm thinking to myself, like, is that what we're going to be saying about wide receivers here? Because, mm. you know, if, if we were running the Dallas Cowboys, I, I think Amari Cooper is an excellent player. I, I want to be very clear about that. I, I think he's one of the best receivers in the league. But when you see Chris Olave and Sky Moore and Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks, and, we're not, and there's Drake London, Jamison William, uh, Williams, amongst many, many others. And I think to myself, like, well, if we're running a team, are we better off taking that $20 million and making sure we're keeping that defense together and re-signing Randy Gregory or Dalton Schultz at tight end? And with the 24th pick, just take receiver X, whoever's there, because, well, they may not be as good as Amari Cooper, I'm hard pressed to think that, you know, they're not $20 million away from him either. So I, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on that guys. I agree with you completely. Like there are, I would say maybe three spots where you should really go crazy spending. If you were a GM quarterback, pass rusher, defensive back. I thought you were going to add podcaster. Well, I mean, <laughs> look, that goes without saying everybody should, should know that. But to me, if it's not one of those three spots, I'd be very, very hesitant to go all in on a second or a third contract. I always think it really comes back, guys, to truly like supply and demand. You know, it just 
let's not overcomplicate things. You know, Coach Parcells always had a great expression, which is we're going to play on Sundays with what they put out on Saturdays. And right now what they're doing on Saturdays is they're putting out a lot of great, great wide receivers. And because of it, let's go spend the money on the other positions. And then the other thing that I want to bring up with you guys that I found fascinating, uh, one of the guys that I have just so much respect for is a gentleman named Charles Davis. He's a broadcaster on the NFL Network and Fox. And he made the point of uh, if you guys are a cor- uh, excuse me, a receiver and you're the 12th best receiver, let's say, right? Are we going to see some of these guys maybe convert to corner? Because you may be the fourth or fifth best corner, but the 12th or 14th best receiver. And I think that's such an interesting discussion. You know, we tried it a little bit at the Dolphins with a guy named Tony Lippett, who was a down-the-line receiver. We drafted him as a corner. It didn't work out. But I thought what Charles Davis brought up was a fascinating discussion. On the topic of prospects here in the combine, obviously just wrapping up, I saw you you were tweeting quite a bit of thoughts here uh, on these prospects at Real Tannenbaum on Twitter. Uh, who do you think are some of the most, I guess, like boomer bust prospects in this draft that really intrigue you the most? I guess especially as it relates to some of these like first round guys. The one that I'm really having a lot of questions about is Trayvon Walker. I think he's a great. I mean, I saw the same thing everybody else did, but 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 Kirby Smart is one of the best coaches in college football why did he not have more production there and that would be if i was in the top 10 i know i can't admit it publicly but i can in this world i would be scared to death those are like the real questions that i think sometimes people we get caught up in like the numbers and the stuff like that that comes out of the combine and it's like well just take a step back and zoom out and those are the kind of questions you have to ask yourself uh last question for me mike i go to the 33rd team.com i see a bunch of awesome articles about the Kyler Murray and the pros and cons of extending him and just how executives approach these type of situations. If you were going to give advice to any of these teams dealing with quarterback problems, whether it's whatever the hell is going on in Seattle with Russell Wilson, the Cardinals with Kyler Murray, the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, what would be your overall kind of advice to dealing with the quarterback issue? You know, Stats, it's a great question. I think nowadays you got to recruit them. We're in a different era. We got you got to recruit them. They're too important. They're too consequential. And again, we could sit here and debate is Russell Wilson the eighth best quarterback or the twelfth best. The, I think what you know the three of us would agree on is when you have Russell Wilson, you have a chance. When you don't, you don't. So I think it just starts with you really got to recruit your own. Well, Mike, we thank you very much for the time. I appreciate you banging on BLG. I always support that. Again, Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN front office insider, the thirty thirteen dot com. Thanks very much for hopping on with us. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Truly appreciate it. I don't know what you did to Mike Tannenbaum, BLG, but he was taking shots at you. Yeah, you know, people are jealous of me, I think (laughs) is the fair thing to say. Uh, You know, obviously he was a former NFL GM, which is is pretty cool. But, you know, I think the the real football mind is here on the oddcast. It's me. Wow. Okay. I think you just earned an LVP point right there. Anyway. (laughs) That's all we have today. Please rate, review, and follow the SB Nation NFL show. Like I said, we have our whole free agency preview all this week. It's the perfect time to follow. Tampering begins next week. The new league year is next week. You're going to want to be following us so all this good content goes right to your phone. You won't even have to think about it. It'll just be there waiting for you like a present on Christmas morning. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy your Tuesday, and we'll talk to you next week.